Okay, I have a question for you. If you had one wish, you had one wish, and if you were to have this wish granted, it would be so. What would that wish be? This sounds like a Disney story, doesn't it? It's not a Disney story. It it actually happened. There was a man who God came to him one day and said to him, you can ask one thing and I'll do it. Think about if that was you. What what would you do? Um, I know if that were my children, I can can hear Lego sets, I can hear electric guitars, I can hear... uh, all sorts of things. But, but if it was you and God said, I'll give you one thing, one wish, what would it be? Uh, you may know the story. The man's name was Solomon. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, you don't need to turn there, but I, I want to I wanna remind you of the story. In 1 Kings chapter 3, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night and God said, ask what you wish me to give you. There it is. And here's your opportunity. This is, this is Solomon's answer, okay? And, and just, just contrast this with what's in your mind. Like, what, what would you say to God if he granted you one wish? Listen to what Solomon said. You have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is today, meaning Solomon. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. So here's his answer. Ready? Here's, Here's his answer. God says, what do you want? Solomon says, here it is. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? Is that what you would have said? I want to do the best job possible with the role that you've given me. So, Lord, will you give me a heart that will do this job of shepherding and leading and ruling over your people well? Will you do that? Will you give me a different heart? We could sum up what Solomon asks here by saying he asked God for wisdom a heart that was able to discern and judge and understand and then thus lead the people accordingly. Now, if that seems strange to you, if you think of... of, He doesn't know the trick. You're supposed to ask for three more wishes, right? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Why, Why would you ask for a heart that is wise, that knows wisdom? And that tells us something about scripture it tells us something about solomon and it tells us something about proverbs which is the book that we're looking at today it tells us something that really challenges our thinking and that is this do you view wisdom as more valuable 
than anything else you can possibly have in this life. Is that what you want? If if God came to you, would you say that? And the reason Solomon says this is because he knows to have a wise, discerning, godly heart is the most valuable thing you can have in this life. Now, if that challenges you, if that's competing with with other things, then you're in the right place. Because Solomon this morning is going to unpack for us why is wisdom the most valuable thing you can have? Why is it? And and, and Solomon's going to fuss with us a little bit here. He's going to argue with us because his goal today is to draw us over to this same viewpoint, that to have wisdom is to have everything. To have wisdom is to have something more valuable than anything else in this life you can have. And, And the child of God, the heart of the Christian, longs to be like God in his or her heart by having this wisdom reside there. And if that is not the, if that's not the drive of your heart this morning, then I would call you to, to heed the counsel of what we're going to hear today. Let your mind be drawn into the argument and, and let's come away recognizing why wisdom is so valuable and why longing for it, desiring it, pursuing it, and doing anything we can to get it is the greatest pursuit we can possibly have. So with that in mind, turn in your Bible with me back to Proverbs uh, to Proverbs chapter 8. If you're just joining us today, we're in a verse-by-verse study of the book of Proverbs. Uh, this book was written by the man I just mentioned, Solomon. He was uh, one of the kings of Israel in light of the account that I told you where God grants him this wish. Um, he was the wisest man that ever lived. And uh, he wrote a book regarding wisdom. And and this book has a couple of of purposes. Uh, It's a book primarily written by Solomon, who was a dad, to his teenage children. So this this is the one book in the Bible written explicitly for young people. So if you are a young person, if you're a college student, high school student, if you're a teenager, if you're a a 20-something, this book is actually written with you in mind. It's written to address the things that you struggle with and the things that are important to you and the challenges that you're going to face. And Solomon wants to set his children up for success. So he he pens 31 different chapters of wisdom so that young people can learn and, and gain from that. But it also has a more general purpose. We, we think about, you know, it's kind of a parenting book in that regard too. But it's really just a book designed to draw us in to wisdom and to the value of wisdom and how to have a life full of wisdom. Uh, so let's, uh, let's uh, come on into the text here. We'll pick it up in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. And what's interesting is most, most of this chapter, it's not going to be Solomon who's talking. It's going to be wisdom who's talking. One of the, if you're an English major, you, we, we, you, you recognize um, a literary device we call personification. How, how many know personification? You heard that? Okay. And, and what that is, personification is when we take an inanimate object. Okay, wisdom is not alive. It's not a person. It's not an animal. It's not, it, it's, it's a body. Actually, it's not even a body of information. It's a, it's a way that you live. It's a discernment. It's an understanding. It's a moral 
ability to rightly live in every and in any circumstance. It's an ability to honor God in any particular part of your life. And so the Bible is going to take wisdom, this thing, and it's going to talk about it like it's a person. And so most of this chapter, wisdom will be speaking. And what's interesting is, in that, in that device, we come to learn what wisdom is and why it's so valuable and why we should want it as well. So let's pick it up in chapter 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice? On top of the heights beside the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand besides the gates and the opening to the city, at the entrance of the doors, she cries out. And then from that point on, wisdom speaks pretty much till the end of the chapter. Solomon will jump in again back in chapter, in verse 32. But let's, let's just set it up here. We'll call this first couple of verses here, the call of wisdom. The call of wisdom. Now the question is, according to these first three verses, wisdom is calling. Did you see that? Wisdom is shouting out. It's, it's shouting out from the heights beside the way where paths come together, meaning where roads converge. Beside the gates, at the opening of the city, at the entrance of the doors, she cries out. So wisdom is calling out into your life. And the question is, are you listening? Are you listening? Um, there is if I can say it like this, a lot of noise that we live with. Do you recognize that? Do you hear the noise in your life? I mean, noise, it, it's, it's entertainment. It's social media. It's life. It's, it's I got to go to work in the morning. It's I got to pay my bills. It's I got to go to school. It's, it's I have to put food in my refrigerator and then we have to eat and we have to do... St- and there's all this stuff going on and it is so easy to get caught up in a purely functional view of life. Where you're just, you're just going through the things you need to do to function. And we ought to do that, right? And we need to function. And, and then... Other things, right? Like entertainment, like hobbies, like these, these wonderful things that we enjoy. And, and that's wonderful and great, and those are God's good gifts insofar as they honor Him, and we ought to enjoy them. But in the midst of the busyness and, and the noise of this whole thing going on around you, there is another voice. And this voice, if you're not careful, this voice will get drowned out in the sea of all these other things going on in your life. And it's wisdom. And wisdom is calling. Wisdom is saying, pay attention to me. Are you listening? Are you listening to wisdom? Do you know why so many people go through this life, and maybe they have great lives, maybe they have lousy lives, but they die in their sin? Do you know why that happens to the vast majority of people? Because they never stop to listen to the very message that can save their soul. They can't hear it through all the noise. Now, the $100 question then is, if wisdom is calling, how does it call? You say, okay, Keith, I'm with you. I'm listening right now. And I don't hear it. What does wisdom sound like? Is it a, is it a voice from heaven, Right? Is it, a, is it a text from God? Is it, is it, um, what is it? 
So, now, now I want you to think, because those of you that have been here, uh, this is chapter 8, you guys are, are, are seasoned in Proverbs. See if you can answer this question. What is the answer of the book of Proverbs in terms of how does wisdom call to you? How does wisdom come to you? Think about that. Raise your hand if you have an idea. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. It, wisdom is based in the Word of God. That's absolutely it, right? And we saw that right out of the gate, chapter 1. To know wisdom, to know knowledge, to know understanding. And, and Solomon points that body of information leading to a life that is pleasing to God, leading to a wise life, anchors that in the Scripture. Okay, you're absolutely right. Okay? But there, there's a... There's a middleman too. Yes, Nick, go ahead. Okay, so it definitely involves meditating on God's word. Okay, that's good. That's good. What's that? It is. Yes, the Holy Spirit is definitely. This is the guess what Keith is thinking game, isn't it? Yes, Mr. Pearson, I see that hand. It is the fear of the Lord. Yes, it is. It is. But you're missing it. You're, you're, you're missing the obvious here. You're, you're, you're all giving me theologically accurate answers, and that's wonderful. Yes, ma'am? Wise people in your life. Okay. People that have been there. there you go. Did you hear that? It is the Word of God. It is uh, the fear of the Lord. It is the Holy Spirit. Yes, 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 yes. It comes. But, but there's, there's a, in God's kind providence, God designs men and women of faith to take the things of God and to communicate it out. So look back at the text. How does wisdom lift up her voice? How does it come from the top of the heights, where the paths meet, beside the gates, at the entrance of the doors? Who is making that happen? Solomon is. He's the king of Israel. He's the wisest man that ever exists. And he is launching out. He is, is shooting out this wisdom from God that God has given him. And you're absolutely right. It, it's, it's the wisdom from God that comes, listen, when His people open their mouths to people that need wisdom. Now we have, the main illustration of that is what? A father opening his mouth and communicating that wisdom to who? His children, his sons. That's right. And that, that's, the, that's the main paradigm of this. But it doesn't stop there. Are there people in your life who do not know the fear of the Lord? Who do not know the gospel? Who do not know Jesus? How well they hear without a preacher. You say, I'm not a preacher. That's what you do, Keith. No, no, no. no. That's preacher with a little p. Little p. And if you are a Christian and you have come to know Christ by grace through faith in Him alone and you have the Bible in your possession and you have the Holy Spirit, right? You have the fear of the Lord. You have these things and, and you have connected with God in that way. Guess what? God's program, His plan is to use, you ready? Is to use you. That's how wisdom calls. Wisdom comes as the word of God in the child of God is spoken out into the world. Isn't that a great reminder? 
that we don't sit back and say, okay, God will do it all. I mean, he could have done that. But that's not God's design. God says, I want to use you. So thinking about our, our, our prayer requests, did you, did you write some of those prayer requests down? Unsaved family, unsaved friends. The first thing we do is we pray for them. What's the next thing we do? We talk to them. We open our mouths. We pray for other people to come into their life who know Christ, who can minister to them. But I just want you to see that wisdom comes in a call, and that call comes through the mouths of God's people. It must. You say, why are we still here? Why are we not with Jesus? It would be way, way better because there's no suffering and there's no sin and heaven is awesome. Because there are people here that need Jesus. And it's our job to tell them about him. Okay? You with me? Okay. The call of wisdom. And, and so are we listening as people speak into our life? Are we communicating as we speak into the lives of others? That's the call of wisdom. Now, secondly, I want you to notice the characteristics of wisdom. And this is where we really get into the bread and butter of this particular chapter. This is, this is where we dig down and we come to understand why we need wisdom and why it's so valuable. Okay? So let's, let's look at the first part here. So here, now here, here's where it changes. Chapter 8, verse 4. Okay, wisdom calls, and now wisdom is going to take the microphone and speak. This is wisdom. Chapter 8, verse 4. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is, the sons, is to the sons of men. O naive ones, understand prudence. O fools, understand wisdom. Listen, for I will speak noble things, and at the opening of my lips... I will reveal right things, for my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness, and there is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. Notice with me the characteristics of wisdom. First of all, the naive and foolish lack wisdom. And in case you missed it, that's us. That's us. We we don't come into the world pre-programmed with God's wisdom. We come into the world fallen. We come into the world alienated from God. We come into the world desiring to embrace all sorts of foolish things because we have set a trajectory on living for self and figuring life out on our own instead of submitting to God and trusting and honoring Him. So we need wisdom. You need wisdom. I need wisdom. And that's why when we read this, wisdom is very nice. She's very nice here. Um, What does she say? Are you naive? And you are then understand. Are you a fool? And yes, we are. So understand wisdom. And and that, if I can say that right out of the gate, that's part of why some people never come to faith and never come to wisdom. They do not believe the very first thing the Bible says about them. They say, I'm not foolish. I'm doing pretty well on my own, actually. Pretty smart, pretty talented, pretty gifted. Look at this, look at that, look at these things I've done. Look at my family, look at my business. 
Look at my athletic career. And they immediately reject the Bible's assessment of their heart. That they're naive and foolish. And, and this is actually a really good strategy because if we're going to go and launch out into wisdom, we're going to try to bring people God's message. The first thing we need to remember is that there are a lot of people that think they don't need it. They don't need it. They're doing just fine on their own. And, and you know what God will often do in a situation like that? He will bring a crisis. He will bring you to the end of your giftedness. He will help you to see the powerlessness of your abilities. You say, why does he do that? Because he's a mean God. That's right, right? He's he just trying to ruin... No. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And he knows if you don't buy into the actual assessment of your own spiritual state, if you don't believe that you come into this life without wisdom, without life, then the gospel is not going to be attractive to you at all. So, believe it or not, that's talking about us, and we need to, we need to remember that. Number two, notice the commands. Verse 6, listen, that's the first one, and then verse 10, take instruction. So, so there it is. If we're going to grow in wisdom, we have to listen to what it is, and then we have to buy into it. We have to take it. We have to personalize it, take it to heart. And, and notice the content here. You, you think wisdom is, is uh, a valuable thing? Look at this. Prudence, noble things, right things, truth, righteousness, knowledge, instruct, instruction, discretion, counsel. Those are all synonyms used in this context for, counsel, for wisdom. Do you want to be... Let's just pick one of these. Do you want to be a righteous person? Do you want to hunger and thirst for righteousness? And to know something, to, to have a life that in some way, as imperfect as it is, but to have a life in some way that reflects the perfect righteousness and holiness of the God who made you. That's why you were made, right? We were made to reflect. The Bible's word is to glorify the God who made us. How do we do that? We do that when we live and act and speak like he would. And that brings him glory. Well, how do you do that? That doesn't just happen. It comes as you know this thing called wisdom. Or, or truth. Or prudence. You ever had a hard decision to make? Raise your hand if you've never had a hard decision to make. Okay, good. That's all of us. How do you know what to do? How do you know? I mean, maybe, maybe it's a relatively... Minor thing, you know, you make the wrong decision, no problem, you know, you, you have a do-over. What if it's about your health? What if it's about your finances? And if you don't make the right decision, it could affect you the rest of your life. What if, what if it's about the spiritual care of another person? What if you're trying to help somebody who you know 
is in need of spiritual care and you could blow it, what do you do? Where do you go? Have you been there? And the Bible's answer is, if you want to know how to honor God in any and every circumstance, you need wisdom. You need wisdom to honor Him. Wisdom to make the right decision. So any one of these you could pick. And wisdom includes all of those things. Are you starting to see why it's kind of valuable? It's exceedingly valuable. In fact, look at what he says here. Look at verse 10. Take my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. You think about that? Having gold, having silver, we we don't think so much about that, although we have silver and gold today. Um, What he's saying is to have wealth, to have jewels, to have gold, to have silver, to have money and wealth, we think, wow, if I had all of that, But the reality is, and most of us are old enough to have experienced this at least once, we recognize money can't save your children. Money can't bring encouragement to a person that is utterly hopeless and depressed. Right? Money can't assist you to know I am making a decision that honors and pleases God and thus is is the most helpful thing I can do for this person. Money can't do that. Money can do lots of cool things, and that's great. But the most important decisions of life, money cannot do it for you. You need something in here, and only God can give you that. And that's why Solomon says it's more valuable than all those things. Notice this. Wisdom means utterly hating wickedness, crooked things, perverted things, and evil things. And this is where, if if we haven't gotten it yet, the Bible helps us to see wisdom is not just knowing stuff. Wisdom is not just saying, uh, my, my dryer broke yesterday and I fixed it. Wisdom is not just saying, I made a good financial investment 10 years ago, and now our retirement is going to be comfortable. That's, that's not wisdom. Wisdom is not knowledge alone. Wisdom is intrinsically a moral asset. You get that? Wisdom is about who you are as a person. The things you love, the things you hate, the, the choices you make about right and wrong, your values, what you value, what you pursue, what you think is important. Wisdom is about your allegiance, who you listen to, who you serve, what you sacrifice for. Wisdom is this, this huge, huge part of your life that says it's the most important thing about you. And notice the morality of it if we just look back at verse 7. For my mouth will utter truth. And then we go, what? And wickedness is an abomination of my lips. We say, what does that have to do with anything? Because wisdom is a moral issue. It's not just about what you know. It's about what you love. It's not just about what you avoid. It's about what you hate. 
And this says, wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are righteousness. Flip down, look down at verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. Verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth. I hate. So on your notes there, wisdom means utterly hating wickedness, crooked things, perverted things, and evil things. Which means this, guys, listen, you can be the smartest, most talented, most capable person in the world, and you can still be a fool. If your heart doesn't love what is right. And this, this is exceedingly interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll get to this in a minute, but how do you know if you're wise? Here, here's a great litmus, litmus test, okay? How do you know if you're a wise person? Answer, do you hate the right things? Do you hate the right things? Wisdom is not being immorally indifferent. It's saying there are things in life that ought to rise up inside of us a hatred toward You say, what are those things? Abominations, wickedness, perversion, crooked things. Wickedness, sin, things that God himself hates. You say, how does a loving God... A loving God hates what is evil. He's a moral God. He's not indifferent to injustice. He's not indifferent to suffering. He's not indifferent when people take advantage of other people. He's not indifferent when, a, when an adult takes advantage of a child. He's not indifferent to swindling, to killing. He's not indifferent. He hates those things. And to be his, to be a child of his, to be in his family, is to have a growing wisdom that says, I hate those things too. Wisdom is not being immorally indifferent. It's hating the right things. And actually, Solomon's going to go further. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Just just look over to page chapter 9, verse 10. There it is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does that mean? That means that having a right relationship with God is the beginning of wisdom. You cannot be a wise person outside of a relationship with God. Does that make sense? Again, you can be the most talented, gifted, wonderful success, patents, Nobel Peace Prize winners, you know, whatever you want. You can be all those things and be utterly foolish in the, in the economy of God because you cannot be a wise person without a relationship with God. The fear of the Lord, that little phrase, is a way the Old Testament describes a believer. To live in fear of the Lord means I trust Him, I submit to Him, I follow Him, I worship Him, I love Him. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Chapter 9, verse 10 says, so now go back to chapter 8, look at verse 13. So in that right relationship, to be in relationship with God, to know Him, is, verse 13, to hate what is evil. On your notes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord means utterly hating pride, arrogance, the evil way, and a perverted mouth. What is that? An evil heart, evil actions, and evil words. Do you see that? To live in a relationship with God is to have a growing hatred for anything that is opposed to Him. A heart 
that is sinful, words that dishonor the Lord, a life or actions that are ungodly. And so, see if I can put this together for you. You guys know the term sanctification? Sanctification means I'm growing day by day to be more like Jesus little by little, right? I'm growing into the image of Christ. Growing in wisdom is the same as growing in sanctification. Do you see that? It's just another way of describing it. Because that's what he says here. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, the evil way, the perverted mouth, I hate. So to grow in wisdom is to grow in those things, to grow in sanctification. What's that mean? Wisdom is primarily, listen, wisdom is primarily about my spiritual growth. Do you see that? I mean, it's been here the whole time. It's like, oh, wow, look at that. It's about spiritual growth. It's about growing to love what God loves. It's about growing to hate what God hates. Growing into the image of him himself. And notice this. This is really interesting. He moves on. Verse 14. Counsel is mine. Sound wisdom is mine. I am understanding. Power is mine. That's wisdom talking. By me, kings rule and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles all who judge rightly. What is, he, what is wisdom saying? Wisdom is saying is whether leaders know it or not, when a leader in the known world rules well, they do it by God's wisdom, whether they know it or not. And there are glorious benefits of wisdom. Notice this. Riches, honor, enduring wealth, and righteousness. Verse 18. Riches and honors are with me. Enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even than pure gold. My yield better than choice of silver. I walk in the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of justice to endow those who love me with wealth that I may, full, that I may fill their treasuries. What's Solomon's, or wisdom is saying here that to have wisdom is more valuable than any of these other things, but to have wisdom leads to wonderful benefits. And notice, riches, honor, enduring wealth, righteousness. There are material benefits and there are spiritual benefits. You say, how does that work? Well, we'll just hang on because we'll unpack this more as, as uh, these chapters unfold for us. But there are wonderful, wonderful benefits. There, there is nothing more valuable in this world than to say, I am growing into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ by His grace. And that's a life of wisdom. Now, watch this. Verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. From everlasting I was established, from the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth. When there were no depths I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills I was brought forth, while he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world. When he established the heavens... I, wisdom, was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set for the sea its boundaries so that the water would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, 
Verse 30, Then I, wisdom, was beside him as a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. Notice thirdly on your notes here, we missed one there. Wisdom produces is better than gold and silver. Did you get that? Okay. Now, creation and wisdom. That's on your notes. The Lord created, the Lord created, and the Lord possessed wisdom from eternity past. Now, that is absolutely profound. Wisdom as a Wisdom as this thing, it's, it's, it's a, a knowing, it's a doing, it's a living, it's a loving, it's, it's this amazing asset that you can have. Where did it come from? The answer is, from eternity past, God made it. And, and this is, this is really, really profound if you think about it. Um, God did not go into the, the divine workshop one day and say, I'm going to make something. You know, he gets out his hammer and his tools and his chisel, and he comes out and says, look, wow, wisdom. What a cool thing. What this is telling us is that from eternity past, God has possessed wisdom. Wisdom, listen, wisdom is a feature. It is an attribute of God himself. That's what this is saying. God didn't go make wisdom like in a, in a, in a workshop. He is wisdom. It's, it's a reflection of who he is. And where do we first see that? And, and this is, again, this makes your head explode. Why did God create the heavens and the earth? Why did he make people? Why did he make the stars and the moon and, and galaxies and trees and animals and plants and, and glorious rockscapes? And why did he make all of this? Well, there's lots of reasons he did. But what's the answer given here? To show forth his wisdom. I mean, how do you... See, if, okay, if, if you have a, a talented person, you, you watch in football, college football last night, and you watch a player go, two, two, two toes in, right? And boom, right? And I'm not going to do that because I will kill myself. But you watch that, you say, how do you see the talent of an athlete? Answer, you watch a game. How do you see the talent of a composer? Answer, you go to the orchestra. How do you see the, the financial capability of, of, a, of a brilliant accountant? You hire them. And you have them do your books. Did you see this? You see this in art. You see this in music. You see it in engineering. You see it in sports. You see it in every realm of life. You you turn them loose to do what they do, and you see it, and you go, wow, and we're amazed by that. So what does God do? God wants to turn his wisdom loose so we can see it. How did he do it? He made the universe. And we ooh and ah at the universe, don't we? We go, Wow. Look, look at this. Look, we talk about the, remember we talked about the eclipse a few weeks ago? We go, wow! That is God's wisdom on display. You say, how, how do you make a little teeny tiny little cell that's got, 
you know, the nucleus and the mitochondria and all those little things that operate inside that little cell and then expand that out, molecules, atoms, uh, the, the, the electromagnetic spectrum, the, the, the stars that, that go in these orbits and planets and, and you just, your brain explodes saying, how on earth, where on earth did this come from and how was it made? It was made by the wisdom of our God. And I love this. Look at this. Wisdom's still talking now. Look at this. Verse 30, we have a little bit of a translation issue here. Wisdom was present during creation. This is, at, my Bible says, then I was beside him as a master workman. That's probably not what it means because there's actually some, some uh, theological issues and some exegetical issues that come from that. Actually, that word master, cra- master workman, it's actually one word in Hebrew, Probably has the idea of faithfulness. It's it's actually, um, it's actually um, <clears throat> a, a kind of functioning to describe being beside God. Wisdom is saying, "I was beside God during creation the whole way." So I've translated it for you there. I was beside Him faithfully, and I was daily His delight. Now, now this is no wisdom's talking, right? Wisdom's personified. We're, look at the creation. Look at what God does, and wisdom says, "And I." am God's delight. God delights to display his wisdom. And not just sometimes. I was daily his delight. It's, it's day after day, the Hebrew says. Rejoicing always before him. Rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. What does that mean? See if you make that connection. Who are the sons of men? What's that? Us, yes, yes. And wisdom, so to speak, rejoices in God, always rejoicing, rejoicing in the world, his earth, and delighting particularly in human beings. Why? Listen, listen. Because nothing displays the creative wisdom of God like the creatures made in his image. You see that? God delights in wisdom and particularly the wisdom with which he made you and me as creatures that reflect the wisdom of God, the character of God, the attributes of God. And God says, I rejoice in that. Now, don't miss the point. We come to reflect God's wisdom most clearly when we walk in his ways. And God, you know what wisdom is saying? Wisdom is saying, this is why God made you, to display his wisdom, to display who he is. Will you walk with him? Will you fear him? Will you know him? Will you make him yours by grace through faith? So that wisdom can be displayed in the image bearers as was God's original design. Do you get that? That's amazing. And so, with that in mind, with that in mind, Solomon comes back to the conclusion. Ready? Listen and heed. Do you like this? Are you, are you buying into this? Do you believe this? Verse 32, Now therefore, O sons, listen to me, for blessed are they who keep my ways. Heed instruction and be wise. Don't neglect it, for blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, 
waiting at my doorposts. So listen, buy into this, heed it, do it, live differently in light of it, Solomon says. If this is why you were made, this is what God gives you. And blessed is the man who listens to wisdom and keeps it. Why? Why? If, if all that wasn't enough, here's, here's the last answer. Why? Because he who finds wisdom finds life. That's why. There is no life, there is no eternal life, no spiritual life found apart from the fear of the Lord, coming into a relationship with Him, knowing this wisdom. There is no life found in any other realm and obtains, my Bible says, favor. It's the word grace. So that's choice number one. Here's choice number two. But he who sins against wisdom, meaning rejects it and hates wisdom, injures himself and loves death. You know what that means? It will hurt you in this life and it will condemn you in the next. And we say, oh. So this is no no small matter. This is a matter of eternal significance. God has made known his wisdom in the word. It's our job to proclaim the word and buy into the word and live in light of the word. And we see that when we do that, not only do we know blessing and reward and life, but we come to display the wisdom of God in us as redeemed creatures in the way that God intended us from the beginning. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful. What a what an amazing picture of who you are and why you made wisdom and who you call us to be in light of this wisdom. And I pray that we would fully buy into what you have showed us in this text this morning and that we would build our life on wisdom. We would proclaim wisdom to people who need Christ. And we would think about growing in wisdom as we grow into the image of Jesus so that we can reflect your wisdom, something of your character in our life, which brings you glory and brings you honor. Lord, that's why you made us. Will you work these things in us, we pray, for your honor and for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.